So being able to give my brown skin girl these books that have pictures of her, you know, doing everything, you know, you're amazing. You're, you know, you can be ambitious. You can be a princess. You can be black girl magic. All of those different things has exploded her confidence. Like she doesn't think there's anything that she can't do. Today's guest interview with Naima is both inspiring and encouraging because she is sharing joy. Naima gives us some very specific reasons why it is important to center joy in the conversations we have with all of our students regarding Black culture and Black people. One of the simplest but most effective ways to center joy is by sharing stories. And Naima is the story queen. She has recommendations on recommendations for beautiful picture books that you can use to share stories of joy with your students of all ages and across a variety of disciplines. Now, I hope that you grab a little bit of joy, but in order to do that, you got to hop into the episode. So let's go ahead and run this intro. Hey, hey, welcome to the Culture Center Classroom Podcast a space for educators looking to step into their power by creating a classroom environment and lessons that affirm, welcome, and celebrate all their students through instruction. I'm your host, Jocelyn Hubbard, an educator, teacher coach, wife, mother to five children, and your partner on this journey of creating culture-centered classrooms. Let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Culture Center Classroom Podcast. Today, I am very excited because this is another guest interview, and I am interviewing a woman who inspires me, who who allows me to think about Blackness in a totally different way. And I'm really excited to share her with you because I think that she is also going to inspire you and help you to, to think about Blackness, the nuances of it, and specifically Black joy in some really cool ways. So my guest for today is Naima Russell. She is a wife, a mom, and an actress. She is known on all the social media platforms as Drama Mama Reads. She has coined that as her, as her kind of, as her name, as her persona, because she feels like it is a celebration of raising her beautiful Black children. And it is also a rallying cry for all parents and teachers to diversify their little people's library. Oftentimes, she did not see herself and she was not seeing learning resources, party decorations, and other printables that her kids could use and that they could relate to. So she started to create them on her own. She found that she actually really likes to create those things. So she now sells a lot of resources on the website Teachers Pay Teachers, as well as Etsy. So of course you can find them there, but she also has a blog and her blog is a place for for her to display the beautiful books that she is sharing with the world on platforms like Instagram. She also has taken the time to review these books for you. So I know for myself, I love to read, but I can't read all the things and I want to know what this book is about and how other people have been able to use it to celebrate Blackness and Naima does that for you. So you go to her blog, you'll find pictures of many, many books as well as reviews. And then she's got curated lists of books 
to help you make some really informed decisions. Now, I have told you a little bit about Naima. Like I said, she is someone who inspires me. She and I have had the opportunity to work together on creating different resources that help people to become more aware of different cultures in general, not just Blackness and Black joy, but that is really where she finds her greatest sense of passion and joy. So without further ado, I am going to bring Naima onto the show today so that you can catch a little bit of Black joy from this amazing woman. Hello! Hello. <laughs> that was such a great introduction. <laughs> well, it's all true. You are... You really are such a breath of fresh air, like on Instagram in particular. I love watching your reels. You're so creative. <laughs> you can tell that you are an actress, right? Like you totally embody the persona of the characters in these different books. And I love that you have your daughters also helping you to create this magical world around these books. Yeah. They are, they are uh, my inspiration for sure, um, even though they have they are just reading, reading, reading uh, all different kinds of things. Um, so they're always like, are we are we doing a reel about a board book? And I was like, yes, we read all the books, <laughs> all the books, <laughs> all the books. I love that. Oh, my goodness. Is there anything else that you feel like anyone that is listening should know about you, who you are, what what makes you? so passionate about Black joy and picture books in general? I taught pre-K for seven years, seven years. And between me and my kids, we were the only brown faces in the building. I love being in that environment. I love teaching. I love, you know, sharing books with the kids. So I just, I really got passionate about the ability to share a book and then explode that book over the course of a week or two weeks and continuing to teach from the perspective of looking at picture books. I used all of these, you know, classic books, beautiful books, books that I that I absolutely love, books that made laugh, all of those things, but I realized that I had left an opportunity on the table. Mm -hmm. I did not really share any books with black and brown faces. I mean, there were a few here and there, but um, that was not my primary focus. And I just realized, I'm like, oh gosh, I could have shared all of this stuff with these, you know, willing um, participants and just kind of opened up their world a little bit. So that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about sharing it now, because I, I know how I was in a position to just constantly like search and search and search the libraries and all of this stuff because it was part of my job. But I know parents don't have the time to do all of that. So I love sharing this with other people. And then around the same time that I was teaching, my kids were really small. I remember going in to my, my bookcase one day, which was not what it is now, but I remember going into it one day and going, okay, well, we have a snowy day. We have one of the, I think it was um, one of the Sedella Marley books. I think it was Every Little Thing. And I was like, hmm what else do we have on the bookshelf that has black and brown faces on it? What else do we have that has representation? And I saw about five books. So then I grabbed my phone and I started looking through the, you know, the, the library, our local library, and just seeing what I could find. And I didn't see a ton. It, it took so much work to try and find these books. And I just, I was like, I'm going to make it my business to find these things and get them into our home and into my kids' hands so that they can see them. That's where the passion started. That's where it came from. Yeah. 
which is phenomenal. I love that you were just honest and so transparent, like, hey, I was in the classroom and I didn't think about sharing specifically, think about sharing these type of books. And I realized later that that was a missed opportunity. I feel like that is the case for so many educators and, and for parents. And it's okay, right? It's not a place to like beat yourself up or feel all this regret. It's like, no, how can I, now that I'm aware, shift gears? And I love that that's where your, where your passion started because as educators, we want to make sure that our students are, are prepared to go out into the world and engage with different types of people. And one of the best ways, I think, to help prepare them is through the reading of books. So, of course, you're going to think about books that were read to you when you were in school and then pull those back out. So it's not like you were intentionally trying to not represent a certain group of people. Mm-hmm. So what I love about what you do is that you provide a very robust resource for parents, for teachers to be able to pull from and say, okay, she's already reviewed this book. She's kind of broken down the main points and I know how this book ties into whatever the lesson is that I'm teaching. But one of the other things that you and I've talked about a lot just in general is about what you share on Instagram is this focus on black joy. Because, well, even as we are looking for the books, like you said, okay, I find four or five books, but then also those books may have just been focusing on the struggle, what it was like to escape from slavery. And, you know, that is important too. Like that, that Mm -hmm. piece, that one tiny piece of the story of blackness, but you know, that's not, that's not all of who we are. And so I love that you push this idea of pulling in black joy. So I would love for you to tell me, to tell the people that are listening, what does black joy mean to you and how does that show up in the picture books that you are sharing with the world so when i first started looking for the books like i said we we had a few books on the shelf that were that had black and brown faces as main characters but for the most part when you saw a black face in a picture book it had to do with the civil rights movement or slavery And I was like, I don't know about you, but that doesn't make for a very good bedtime story. (laughs) Like one kid is raising their hand and saying, yes, please tell me about how they turn the water hoses on small children. Like nobody wants to read that when they're going to bed, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that black kids don't want to see themselves as fairies and wizards and brushing their teeth and going on vacation and You know, like for me, like my parents had that experience of, okay, we're going to leave the city and we're going to go down to, you know, big mama's house in the South. But I I didn't necessarily have that experience, but we still went on vacation. So where are those picture books? Where are the picture books about kids going camping and white water rafting and hiking and, you know, things that we did growing up, but they weren't necessarily in the picture books. To me, Black Joy is any book that normalizes black kids just being black kids. It's either nothing out of the ordinary, like taking a bath, or it's everything out of the ordinary. Like, yes, we want to be princesses and fairies and go dive into that magical world. And I mean, I remember seeing, probably I'm I'm, I'm dating myself, but I remember seeing Hercules and way back when, and I probably was in high school. Okay, when that came out, but I still I loved watching the Disney movies. I remember seeing the muses. I think I cried because that was the first time, the first time in my life that I saw black faces on the on the big screen. 
You know, I mean, yes, there were a few cartoons and things like that, but to be in a Disney movie, oh my goodness, this was years before Tiana. It it did something to me and I wanted to see more of it and I didn't see more of it, you know? So mm-hmm. then I go to college and then I get, you know, and I get married and, I, and then I have kids and I still haven't seen that. When I had my girls and, you know, we started doing that, that exploration for different picture books and we just kind of fell in love with having that set story time in our day, I wanted to make sure that they they saw what I didn't see. I feel like that is such a key piece of why you and I have connected in such a way because I'm a mother also and I want my kids to see what I didn't see. I love that you're aligning Black joy with Black children and hey, guess what? All children that are reading books, seeing Black children just doing things because there is this there is this incorrect perception that there are certain things that, oh, Black people don't do that. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Black people don't do that. Yes. Why mm-hmm. not? Mm-hmm. Says who? Yeah. The color of my skin does not dictate <laughs> what I do or don't do. What dictates what I do or don't do is my own personal enjoyment and my love right. for this or that. So I agree with you. It's like there is this this understanding that even Black people have based on what mm-hmm. we've seen or we've not seen that, oh, no, no, we don't go camping. Oh, no, yeah. no, we're not going to go skiing. Says who? Yeah. We can do all the things. So how do you think, like for your own daughters, how has going on this journey with you impacted them? Is, is this all oh, that they've ever known, you know, or have they seen a shift? Yeah. This is all, like, for the most part, this is all they've ever known. They don't remember the before. <laughs> they don't remember when mommy wasn't a, a bookstagrammer posting books on Instagram, like, every single day of the week. They don't remember a time when there wasn't book mail outside every single day. And I know that that's not everybody's experience, but the library is right down the street. And we, you know, before we had book mail, we made Tuesday's library day. We're going to the library. We're going to find books. We're going to do this. But as far as the girls are concerned, it's just really like, there are a lot of times that I, I get very emotional. The books themselves and I'm getting off topic, but the books themselves as a mom, as an adult, reading some of these books now, these Black Joy books makes me very emotional. I've cried over some of them because there were things that I needed to see and I needed to hear when I was their age that I didn't see and I didn't hear. Not that I didn't have great parents and great family and great support, but it was that outward societal view of me. And when you don't see yourself in a book, it's basically saying like, you don't really exist or, you know, these things aren't important for you or this is how we see you in our society. We don't think that this is what you do or this is what you believe or this is how you dress or this is how you look. We don't think you're beautiful. All of these different things. I needed to see those things. And so now being able to give them to my kids has been absolutely magical because I've seen, I have two girls and one is my complexion, which is brown skin, chocolate, chocolatey chocolate. And then I have another daughter whose skin is lighter. She's more like French fry complexion. So being able to give my brown skin girl these books that have pictures of her, you know, doing everything, you know, you're amazing. You're, you know, you can be ambitious. You can be a princess. You can be black girl magic. All of those different things has exploded her confidence. Like she doesn't think that there's anything that she can't do. And we we had one, one incident, one, 
where my daughter, my youngest daughter told my oldest daughter that she couldn't be Snow White because, you know, Snow White is, she can't, she, you know, you're, you're not that complexion. And I said, oh, no, 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 we don't do that in this house. And I pulled out, I pulled out the book, not quite Snow White. <laughs> and Perfect. I was like, I'll read this for bed tonight. We're going to read this and you're going to see a, a brown skinned girl and she gets to play the role of Snow White. And yeah, she had those people say the same thing to her, that she couldn't be Snow White because she wasn't this color or she wasn't this size. But you know what? She did it and it was great. So you do you and she's going to do her and it's going to be all good. It's like I'm using the books to help me have these conversations where we can, you know, just encourage them in what they do and how they treat each other. The books are just, they're, they're just fantastic. They, they really, really are. So you just said so many things that I mean, I was smiling the whole time that that just warmed my heart. I love the fact that your girls don't remember a time when they didn't see themselves in books mm -hmm. and books, not just in the library, but the books that you were putting on the bookshelves. How amazing is that? Like, that's how it should be, because yeah. that's how it is for people of other ethnicities. Well, really, if we're just going to do the race thing, right, we'll just say mm -hmm. That's what white children are able to see. Yeah. But black children have not had that experience where it's always a thing where I'm going to see black children represented in any way mm -hmm. outside of a struggle in text. So I love that your daughters have had this opportunity from a very young age where mm -hmm. all they see is themselves represented. And the other thing is that I love books. Books mm -hmm. are literally the gateway to some dynamic conversations. Yes. Authors have really been very strategic about and very thoughtful about the words that they're using and partnering with illustrators who can visually represent what those words say so mm -hmm. that it does make it easier for us as educators and as parents to have conversations and to support our children mm -hmm. in understanding, not yeah. just through our, through our words, but through a visual that yes, you can do this. You can be this. You can question this thing here. It's okay. Yeah. Books. And obviously you always share picture books, but for middle and high school teachers, there are novels, graphic novels that do the very same thing. Mm -hmm. And of course you can always use picture books in your middle school class. I did it all the time when I was teaching English and social studies, starting the foundational pieces of my lessons or a unit with a picture book to help my students to grasp a concept that was going to be much more complex. I love the fact that picture books allow us to be more confident in being able to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. And you were mentioning the skin tone thing. Mm -hmm. I have five children. Two of them are more brown skin like me. Three of them are more fair skin. And they don't really talk about the skin tone thing very much, but it is something that I remember as a child because I am the most brown of my siblings. People saying things like, oh yeah, like your sister's definitely more beautiful than you. And I'm like, yeah. oh, for real? You're yeah. real bold. Like you, yeah. you yeah. just out here saying whatever mm -hmm. over here. And there weren't pictures. And yes, my, my parents would affirm me, but there weren't books where I saw myself as a brown skin girl being able to do whatever. Mm -hmm. There is a picture book that maybe I shared it with you. Have I shared the book Chocolates with you by Erica Beatty? I think so, yeah. It did? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that is a book that I 
love, love, love. And for you that are that that are listening to this episode, a book that can really be beneficial in your personal library, in your classroom library. Erica and her husband, Damon, illustrated the book. She wrote the book. They have represented children of various skin tones and using the analogy of chocolate. I mean, from buttercream mm-hmm. all the way down to mocha, to this, to that. It is such a beautiful book. And I read it with my own children and I loved how they literally were able to point to characters in the book and say, oh my gosh, that's me. That looks just like me. Or this looks like someone in my class because everyone was represented there. And I I smiled from ear to ear and I told Eric, I'm like, you have done something amazing in creating this book. Yeah. There is a book similar to that and it's called I'm a Pretty Little Brown Girl. I remember reading this when they were younger and just going through. And so they were able to see all the different hues of brown or black, you know, because that's a concept I've been (laughs) trying to explain to my six-year-old. And she's like, I'm not black, I'm yellow. And I'm like, you know, well, <laughs> you know, and just having to explain that to her, but like in the publishing industry now, as we're starting to see more books published with brown girls in them, it's usually mostly my complexion. So it's usually more of that complexion. And then I'm not seeing light skinned black girls or fair skinned black girls. And so then mm-hmm. my, you know, my youngest daughter is going, okay, well, where, where do I fit in here? So now I've got to go back to the drawing board and say, okay. You're right. I've put all this representation on the on the bookshelf for my oldest child. Where are you? So it's just a constant evaluating of what I'm doing as a parent and then making sure that, that it's also reflected on, you know, on my Instagram that I'm constantly showing various shades and various books and things like that. It's been very interesting, but the books have, have definitely shaped my parenting journey. And a lot of times that we'll have like theme weeks and, you know, we'll say, okay, this week at um, the kids' school, it's inclusive schools week. So they're talking about disability and disability representation. And so I was like, boom, okay, fine. I'm going to pull this stack out and we're going to read through these things. And so they're asking questions, you know, because that's not something that we see on a regular basis. So just making them more aware, Lunar New Year's coming up, making them more aware. You know what? There are other minorities out there and you know we need to expose you to all of the these different things, these different holidays, customs, all of that. This is the way to get exposure if we're not necessarily in a community where we're seeing all of that or we're going to school with people that, you know, are are different from us. So that is something that I also faced as far as like the skin tone representation. I presented a book to my oldest son who is fair skin and he was pointing out different people as he was reading the book. It, like it, it was literally a story about a class. He kept making these connections. He's like, oh, that looks like my friend such and such. And this looks like my friend did it. And I was like, oh, well, do you see anyone that looks like you? There was a little brown boy in the class. So I thought he was automatically going to point to the little brown boy and say, yeah, he looks like me. And I was, he was like, no, I don't really see anyone that looks like me. And I was like, really? Why Mm. not? He was like, well, I mean, there's a bunch of different skin tones, but you know, this little brown boy right here, he, I'm, you know, I'm more like a tan color mommy and he's more brown. And so he doesn't look like me. And and that for me was the very first time that Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, you are so right, son. That now there's kind of become this idea of the staple black. Yes image or the staple black skin tone and blackness in in color is so nuanced 
a couple of months ago, I read The Personal Librarian, which is, it's a novel about J.P. Morgan's personal librarian. Her name is Belle Costa Green, and she is biracial, really probably not necessarily biracial. I think both of her parents were biracial. So, you know, if we're getting down to the brass tacks of it at all, yeah. you know, how much blood is this and that? <laughs> but, but either way, she, at this time, she was passing as white. And obviously we know during the reconstruction era, during the period of American slavery, there were a, um, a number of black people that passed for white for a variety of reasons, right? Mm -hmm. There's no, no judgment here, no shade here. But when I looked at a picture of her, yeah. I said, oh yeah, I can tell she's black, but yeah. that's because oh, yeah. I know the nuances in black skin tone. And she told people that, that she had like Portuguese blood or this or this or that to kind of justify uh -huh. her more olive tone. And people were just like, cool. Yeah, we accept it because there wasn't this awareness of the nuances in skin tone. So I love that, that you are making, you know, a more concerted effort and, a, and intentionally choosing books that have that. But then also, I think when we're talking about black joy, representing black people in ways that you just said, when we're thinking about there are black children that are autistic, there are black children that have Down syndrome, there are black children who, whatever, X, Y, and Z yeah. are in wheelchairs that use crutches, that this or that. How are we also seeing those children show up in literature? Also thinking about sexual orientation, right? There, there are so many ways that Black people show up. And so just putting one little brown girl that looks like you or me, that's not going to cover it. And yeah. then all the rest of the characters, you know, look like whatever else, yeah. but this one. One uh, Asian, you know, the one, uh, you know, racially ambiguous character where you're not sure if they're Latinx or you know, something else, you know, then it's just like, okay, well, there was your, there was your one spot. There's one mm -hmm. spot to be in the book. And you, and you got it, you snagged it. So yay for you. <laughs> I, I think that, again, like that is what I do love about following your Instagram account is that you make me more aware of different books that are out there. So while I enjoy finding picture books and making sure that I have a diverse representation of people and holidays and religious beliefs and all of that, that is not something that I specifically focus on. And that's why one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on the podcast, because I think it's important for people to be aware of resources. Yeah. Just saying, well, you know, I don't have time to look for it. Okay, then find someone who does have the time because that is their main thing on your Instagram and on your blog. Your main thing is showing people books that are available for them to use in their classrooms to start conversations, to help children to see themselves represented. And it's not a good enough excuse to just say, well, my classroom is really homogenous. Whether that means you have all white identifying children, all black identifying yeah. children, that is not a good enough excuse because that's not the world. I do like the fact that we've moved from South Carolina to Illinois because where we are in Illinois is much more diverse from a religious standpoint, from an ethnic standpoint. My children are going to school and they're just like, oh yeah, mom, we got a new student who just came over from Egypt. He speaks wow. Arabic. Or I got a, 
Yeah. Like it is, that is what I want for my kids. Yeah. And they are now so much more well-versed in the ways that they can communicate with people that speak different languages. And it's not just like, oh, well, people speak English or Spanish. No, there are so many languages that people speak and loving that and having an appreciation for that is what they are getting now, not just through books, because I'm sharing those, but also through interaction with people. The other thing I I think is a great thing for teachers to consider is asking parents, asking caregivers, asking your students to bring in their favorite book several Mm -hmm. times a year, right? Oh, I'll have them bring it in for show and tell. No, several times a year, send home the newsletter to parents and say, this is the topic that we're going to be discussing. Do you have any books at home that will help us to make sure we are sharing multiple perspectives on this issue that that multiple children see themselves as we are talking about this? Yeah. That is a free resource. And also your parents, your caregivers, their guardians now feel like they are being empowered and like they are connected to the classroom in a way that they've never been asked to be connected before. Because a lot of times the teachers can't necessarily have certain books in their classroom. (laughs) Indeed, Naima. And that is something that I think is scary for, for authors. It is scary for teachers. That is something that is coming up so much as I lead workshops with teachers, I coach teachers. And that is a question that has been coming up in every single workshop Mm -hmm. is Jocelyn, the school in the county next door, they are, they're pulling these books off the shelves. We have these books. What do you think are some of the points that could be controversial? And of course I haven't read all the books, but If they bring that book to a workshop or they send it to me, I make sure I go and I read it and then I can say, okay, here are some things that I can see could be possibly controversial if we're even going to call it that. And here are some ways that you can use the standards to to support that. So that's what I also love about your resources is that you not only are sharing the book, but you've reviewed it and you also are saying like, here are some of the ways that this book incorporates joy. So if we are trying to make sure that our students are having a joyful learning experience, I want to be able to connect it directly to aspects of joy for individual students in the classroom. Here's the thing. I love Christmas. Mm -hmm. I love Christmas and I love, (laughs) I love gathering together with my family during the quote Thanksgiving holiday, right? Obviously there are so many nuances to that holiday and the celebration, but my birthday is, is, is either on Thanksgiving most years or a couple mm-hmm. days after. That is a special time and a great time. And I think to myself how I am affirmed in, and I feel warm and fuzzy because there is so much representation around Thanksgiving yeah. and Christmas. And I love watching all of the Christmas movies. I literally just got a shirt off of Etsy that says, this is my, my Hallmark Christmas I wearing sweatshirt. <laughs> I was like, I need that. I shirt. bought that. Yes. <laughs> That was my 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 birthday gift to myself because I love all the Christmas movies. Yeah. But what about the children that don't celebrate Christmas? That is not something that they should be shamed for, that they should be made to feel bad. Like, gosh, I should celebrate Christmas. Why don't I celebrate? No, you celebrate different things in other ways that are just as amazing and beautiful. And just like educator, you feel so warm and fuzzy by putting on your Santa hat and decorating your classroom with all these lights. What about the students that also deserve to feel warm and fuzzy through seeing themselves in picture books, through seeing the decorations in their classroom, from hearing 
all of the joy and the energy, right? If we're playing holiday music through through the school, are you playing that holiday music in different languages? Yeah. Are you playing holiday music that, oh, because there was a reel on Instagram that said, stop saying holidays if you just mean Christmas. And I was like, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Because we yeah. now we say, oh, it's the holiday season, but you mm-hmm. only talk about Christmas. You're not talking about Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and Diwali and all the holidays that happen in the fall and the winter. And as we are now in this new year, okay, all the different types of of ways that people celebrate the new year and when they celebrate the new year. How are we helping all of our students to see that the way that they celebrate and what joy means for them is good? You know, like my daughter right now at my kid's school, they're doing holidays around the world. Oh, everybody comes in their pajamas. So we're not going, if you want to put on Christmas pajamas or Hanukkah pajamas or whatever kind of pajamas you want, everybody's in their pajamas. And they go from room to room and different classrooms set up for the holidays. So there was the Kwanzaa classroom and the Christmas classroom and the Hanukkah classroom. And so my kids, you know, last year, they were so excited to come home and tell me about all of these different holidays and customs and games and foods and things that they could play. And I remember doing something similar growing up. Like I was like, ooh, Hanukkah. I love to play with the dreidel and I love eating latkes and everything. And I'm like, I'm not Jewish, but (laughs) I love all this stuff. and it's great to be exposed to that. You know, it mm-hmm. is your your child starts to develop empathy for other cultures, religions, genders. They start to develop empathy. If they're exposed to all of this other stuff, they'll say, okay, well, this is good. This is me. This is who I am. But I can also see you. And, and oh, yeah, you, you eat dumplings? Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and in another language, they call them bows, bows. I found a book called Dumpling. Every single page is a different country and a different way that people eat dumplings. Because when I think of dumplings, I think of grandma's chicken and biscuits. And you know, in the in the South, I, that's not what I think of, chicken and dumplings. But other countries think of dumplings as something different, but it's universal. And there's so much about us as people uh, that that's universal and we need to tap into that. Whenever I'm coaching teachers, think about holidays around the world, I, I encourage them and also challenge them, right? So like a a challengement to say, pull out a world map. I want you to put a post-it note next to each continent that is represented for your holidays around the world project. Now, I want you to also put a push pin in all the countries on every continent that you are representing. Because the challenge is that many times we pull up the continent of Africa, but we only focus on South Africa, or we maybe focus also on Nigeria. And now we've got two countries. But when we pull up the same world map and we look at the continent of Europe, we've got every country, France, Spain, Portugal, England. What are we telling our kids quietly, right? Like you didn't say to them, oh, Countries in Africa do not celebrate these holidays and there's no joy there. But if you don't show them the joy, then how are they to know that there is joy there? If you are a teacher and you're listening to this and you say, oh, I do holidays around the world. Or when I'm thinking about New Year, I do think about Lunar New Year and all these different places. But how can you elevate the experience to make sure that not only are you saying that, yes, this is Chinese New Year, but understanding that China is a huge country. How is it celebrated in a variety of different ways in China, but then also by people that identify as Chinese Americans, Mm -hmm. how do they also celebrate Chinese? There are layers, there are ways for you to elevate the learning experience 
for your students and to elevate mm -hmm. your own understanding of what this means. Yeah, there's another book. I'm like pulling the books off the shelf. Um, there's a book called A World of Cookies for Santa. And it literally goes around the world showing you what, in a particular country, what cookie that they would leave out for Santa, if they even leave out cookies for Santa, because some people don't leave out cookies, they leave carrots for the reindeers, you know? And it's just interesting to see what, what do they call, there were some countries I couldn't even pronounce what they call Santa. And some countries, they don't even center Santa, they have a Christmas witch, and she's the one that leaves them. <laughs> She's the one that leaves the presents. And Santa's just kind of like in the background, you know? <laughs> okay. Like you said, it's about building empathy mm -hmm. and building a love for your brothers, for your sisters, for your however this person identifies. You other people and you just say, well, that's what they do and everything. And they're not, they're not good. They're not, it's somebody that I should even talk to or associate with. It stirs up fear. And we don't want our kids to be fearful of somebody else because of what they believe in. We want them to be strong in who they are and then that they, that they can go and talk to other people and love on them. Well, see, and Naima, I think, yes, a lot of people's unwillingness or lack of willingness to share is rooted in fear Yeah, and mm -hmm. also rooted in, in ignorance. Yeah. Absolutely. Not knowing enough about a group of people. So mm -hmm. I like to, to talk about Black joy and with Black History Month here, mm -hmm. understanding that it is important to couple these, these stories that students have probably heard for years and years of slavery and civil rights with not just the struggle, but the joy and, and the, the joy of being a Black person in general. But if you are a teacher who does not identify as Black, and you feel like, well, how am I going to accurately represent this joy? My question to you is, well, I don't know. Have you experienced it? Have you, have you put yourself in a space where you have been able to feel the Black joy? Mm -hmm. So for myself, I am a member of a historically Black sorority. I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta. Have you connected with some people that are in historically Black sororities or fraternities when you were in undergrad? Or even now, because for, for us, it's a lifelong commitment. And these organizations are still hosting events. And there is community service that is happening all the time. So how are you connecting with and seeing the Black joy that is there? That is my encouragement to you because, yeah, you're right. You can't fully share joy if you haven't also seen it and experienced it. Sometimes, yes, you can't always connect in a way where you can go and see it and feel it and experience it. But if you can, why haven't you? Yeah. If you can, why haven't you? You know, especially like for Black History Month, they will pull out all of the books that have black and brown faces on them. Even if they're not historical, they'll just say, okay, this is the this is the time of the year that we're going to share books with black people in it. And they'll pull out a book like Hair Love and say, oh, here's for Black History Month. Well, what's historical about this book? Mm, nothing, nothing. For Women's History Month, you focus on women in history. Mm. And all throughout the year, you share books that have women in them and other females, but that may not have been a historical figure. So why are we only sharing Black books during Black History Month or even if they are Black joy books? Because I think even the school that my, yeah, my oldest daughter went to in kindergarten, they sent out a list of books and it was, okay, here are the books that we're reading for Black History Month. And they didn't separate historical books and Black joy books. They were like, this is what 
this is it. This is all of it together. And there mm-hmm. needs to be a separation because then that put look, it kind of takes people off the hook and says, okay, well, you don't have to share anything else with black black and brown faces in it throughout the rest of the year because you've done your thing for these 28 days in February. So I think there definitely needs to be a, a, a separation um, so that, you know, we're, we're sharing all of these different things throughout the year. Well, and but I, I even want to kind of push that a little bit. There is, I think, a misconception or, or a misrepresentation when we think about history. And this is a gripe that I have with history classes and social studies in general is that no wonder our students get fatigued from coming to social studies class because all we share is a war, a depression, a war, a struggle for all, like for most countries. Maybe you'll throw in the Lindy Hop a little bit here, but then you go right back to war. So Mm -hmm. I feel like there needs to be a shift in the narrative and the understanding that history and historical events, we need to make sure that we're weaving in joy in the history too, because yeah, even during the period of American slavery, there was black joy. Yeah. There was black joy there. And so how can we, how can we show black people as nuanced as Mm -hmm. people that, that were in this situation here that was horrendously horrible, but how they were able to find the joy and celebrate who they were and pass on stories and mm, food and all this richness. Historical, joyful books out there. You just have to dig a little bit. Well, but Naima, you are doing some of the work. And so I, I, I want to I wanna kind of wrap up our conversation here because I want to make sure that all the things that we have shared today, that when, when this episode ends, that every teacher that is listening feels like, okay, I've got some, some hope here. I've got some inspiration. And I've also got a resource, a person that I know I can turn to when I'm looking for books that represent Black joy. And honestly, you share books that are not just Black joy. You share joy a lot of times on your Instagram and on your website. So I know that you and a number of other like bookstagrammers have gotten together for this special awards. Can you talk more about that? And then also if you can share information about where people can find you so that they can get more of this joy. I am a member of the first annual Black Kid Lits Awards judges panel. And so for the Black Kid Lits Award, we are Instagrammers who share books or picture books regularly. And we are made up of moms and teachers and administrators. We are made up of a variety of different people. And we are highlighting and celebrating Black books, authors, illustrators, and publishers. And we hope to provide visibility to Black stories and drive the demand to create more diverse books filled with Black joy, love, family, friendship, and fellowship. The awards will come out officially around the top of February. And we're going to have things like best board book and best, you know, read aloud, best laugh aloud, best illustrations, you know, different books like that. So we are really super excited to share it. And we are diving in. We are reading stacks of books so that we can share with you the best of the best out there, which is that's a whole side conversation about how many publishers have declined to submit because they didn't have anything that actually fit the categories. So if we said the categories were book with a black main character written by a black author or illustrated by a black illustrator, 
And they were like, oh yeah, we don't have anything that actually fits into that category. That in 2022, but that's sidetracked. So you can find me on all social media platforms, uh, Drama Mama Reads, Drama Mama Reads. And um, I am on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. And um, my website is itsthedramamama.com. I am also on TPT and Etsy as Drama Mama Reads. <laughs> Excellent. You make it very easy, Naima, to, to find you. So I will make sure that I link to all of her social media accounts, as well as her blog and TPT store and Etsy store so that you can find her wherever you feel most comfortable, right? Like whichever platform you prefer, you can find her because she is there. Seriously, you have to follow her on IG and on, on, and on TikTok because you're going to love how creative she is with, with these reels that she's creating and these TikTok videos. Like they're, they're so cute and informative. And I feel like they are something that you could use in your classroom as you are introducing different books to your students. You can say, oh my gosh, we're going to watch this real quick reel. We're going to watch this quick TikTok so that your students can see this book come to life before you actually read it with them. TikTok, I'm actually um, starting to read the books. I love that. <laughs> read a little snippet of the books out loud. And um, which I think because, you know, as a teacher or parent, you go, well, do I really need to spend the money on this? And so then, you know, you, you, you want to like at least thumb through it or at least hear a little bit about it. See if it'll work for your classroom or your child. I actually like reading them out loud. It's always fun. We are going to go ahead and wrap our conversation okay. here. I am likely going to have to have you back on the podcast because I want to hear a little bit more about these publishers. And I want to see if in 2023 yeah. things shift as you all do the second annual Black yeah. Lit, uh Book Awards. Uh, yeah, I definitely want some updates on that for sure. Yeah, but because, I mean, like even I think that's a whole podcast episode in itself, you know, like the publishing industry and how it's changed and shifted and what we're seeing, you know, because even when I started this, I think it was like 9% of books throughout the year were for any given year that were published were with kids that are African-American, identify as African-American. And now mm -hmm. it is creeped up to maybe about 11%, but that's still out of a hundred, you know? Right. That so. is, it's, it's not okay. And I, I feel like a lot of times people will ask me like, oh, well, which, which publisher do you prefer or how do I you know, decide who I'm going to support? And so I feel like that could be a really great conversation for us later on as, as teachers and parents are thinking about which, publishers they support, how do they how do they gather these resources, how do they vet these resources, and, and really understanding some of the behind the scenes to publishers that are more performative mm -hmm. versus actually doing the work. But oh gosh, yeah. Remember, we can't go any we, yeah. we can't go into that yeah, today. Yeah. We cannot. We must stop. We must stop right here. Okay. <laughs> Let me close out this episode. Okay, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation today. You know that I am a lover of books in general, but I love picture books because I feel like they are beautifully written and they help you to introduce a variety of topics, things that you may feel like are very complex or challenging or sensitive, but then also things that are amazing and joyful and celebrations. They allow you to, to show your your kids, but then also to, to talk through a lot of those things and they can be the catalyst for some amazing conversations. So I want you to make sure that you follow Naima on Instagram and TikTok and all the places where she said she's available. I will share more with you next week. That's a wrap on today's episode, but it does not have to be a wrap on the action you're taking in your classroom. 
The next best step is to head over to customteachingsolutions.com forward slash the checklist and grab the free resource I created just for you. It's called the Welcoming and Inclusive Classroom Checklist. In this resource, you will find five simple but effective strategies for creating the welcoming and inclusive classroom you dream of and your students deserve. All right, my friend, grab that resource and I'll talk to you next week.